Welcome back to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something, as myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, continue our year-long journey to watch every match that we can find that Dave Meltzer has given five stars or higher for his Wrestling Observer newsletter. And we're continuing our decalogue of ten consecutive New Japan matches. We're almost at the halfway point now. We're at match four of that ten-match series. Simon, what are we covering today? It's involving two men that have also been in this series so far, but not against each other. Uh, no, they have not yet faced each other, but they are now. It is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Katsuyori Shibata. Uh, Shibata. There's no Shia at the end. In the yeah, I know, but I like thinking of different types of bread. Well, so. yeah, I'm sure he'll I'm make sure to say that to his face if we ever meet the man. Um, I think to get into this right away because I think like we've been discussing some of our episodes have been getting a bit too long lately so we're going to try and go for a bit more of a, a concise episode which me continuing to talk about its length is not actually helping it's actually adding to the length as we go on but this isn't just a minute <laughs> this is uh, this is a match that I think has actually suffered from the fact that it's us going through every five star match one after the other after the other because I think this is very similar structurally and through storytelling and everything to the first match of this New Japan series we've followed so far of Hiroshi Tanahashi against Minoru Suzuki. Now, yeah, Dave yeah. Meltzer, there was a two-year gap between these two matches. But for us, it's literally like less than a week or so since we watched the previous one. And so the similarities come out, and it is ultimately, in my opinion, going straight in, uh, an inferior match. Um, that's not to say it's not good, but that match was a five-star. And is this one a five-star? If it is, it's definitely on the lower end of the spectrum of those five-star matches for me. Would you agree, Simon? <laughs> I like how you're just trying to salvage the intrigue there. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I felt... I mean, yes, we have seen them as individuals before in the series. Um, but even though it was a fresh combination, this did have, have the feel of something we have seen before. Mm. Sometimes that works. Yeah. This isn't one of those times. No, it works. It works as a match. No, 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 just... yeah. In terms of keeping intrigue, sorry, I should be a little bit clearer there. Yeah. Um, that they both do their usual stuff. Uh, Shibata. 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 <laughs> I really want to carry on doing it intentionally, but well, I'm don't. not, and that's the annoying thing. <laughs> Shibata. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Sorry, I was just making sure I had the seal of approval. Uh, Shibata's intensity is um, a next level, as per usual. Um, that corner drop kick. The way they shoot that the is way, yeah, brilliant. The way that he seems to hold himself in midair, like an Air Jordan hang time or something like that. Yeah, It's, it's, like it's he, the precision. He, he puts it in the right place for like, and the cameras will go off now, and now I kick him in the face. I like to think of he gets there, and when he's in that second in midair, that's when he calibrates, <laughs> and that's why he always lands flush on their chin. Because Tanahashi hits the move back to him later on in the match, and it doesn't look as spectacular as how Shibata does it. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, this is a match where, like with the Suzuki match, it's the flashy rock and roll wrestler against the guy who's using the fundamentals. And like I said, th- this has more of a personal animosity to it, and it's not for a championship belt, but it does have an intensity that almost matches the Suzuki match. Doesn't quite. <clears throat> but like I said, these guys were, kind of grew up together at the same time. They were part of that planned next generation of three musketeers alongside Shinsuke Nakamura but Shibata did leave under a cloud of controversy and he pissed off all the wrong people and ultimately this is a match that has a story of him seeking a redemption not even necessarily through victory but ultimately facing off against Tanahashi in a New Japan ring at a point where they should have probably faced each other in like two or three Wrestle Kingdom main events and G1 Climax finals and traded the IWGP heavyweight title between them several times and that that hasn't happened. You know, mm. Shibata has never held the heavyweight title. At this point, he was like, he'd made his comeback and he had had a good run in the G1 Climax, but he's still not quite getting into the main events. I don't know if this is before or after or during his sort of I think after this, he got, he enters into a series of matches with the third generation wrestlers of uh, Nagata, Kojima, uh, and Tenzan, uh, and Nakanishi. That's his ultimate final retribution and uh, redemption. And then he, especially when they get into an interpromotional feud with Noah, and it's Shibata that's fighting most passionately for the New Japan cause. Mm. So this is almost Shibata's reckoning. Uh, but in terms of Tanahashi, yeah. So it's sort of like this is the old Earth, but we should be on the uh, third course by now. Yeah, not necessarily the old Earth, but it's just like a, it's not, it's not as big a deal as it should have been at this point, and it's ultimately Shibata's fault, as as is the narrative being played here, because you know, to the victor go the spoils, and it's not Tanahashi that's had to go cap in hand to wherever it is that Shibata's made a name of himself in Noah or elsewhere uh, but it's Shibata returning to New Japan where Tanahashi has essentially had to carry the weight of the promotion on his shoulders that should have probably been shared with Shibata for the previous decade. So that does explain the edge that you have uh, at the early stage of the yeah. match now because yeah. Tanahashi stares at Shibata well, like yeah. he hates him. Yeah and he has a Shibata's great at storytelling through uh, almost uh, tableau like he knows how to do it there was a really good video that went away online of a guy who was doing sort of video essays about new japan and he said that shibata seemed to know how to work with the cameras better than anyone else in the promotion um and you can see that with him standing in the middle of the ring as tanahashi's entering and you think it's like he's gonna face off against him but then you kind of realize he's not even looking at tanahashi he's like in almost a meditative state in the middle of the ring and tanahashi just has to sort of walk around him to do his usual corner poses and everything. Ne- nearly does that stereotypical shoulder barge thing. Nearly does, but doesn't. Mm. But walks around him like he's just a foul presence. Mm. But yeah, like I said, it's uh, much like the Suzuki match. It is the flash of Tanahashi against the fundamentals and the no-nonsense of Shibata. Like I said uh, in the previous episode about Shibata, what's interesting about him is that he's basically kept his young lion's look outside of just adding kick pads to his boots and growing chest hair. Other than that, <laughs> his, his haircut's pretty no-nonsense. He 
he still wears the black trunks and the black boots and the black wrist tape. He's not about Flash, whereas Tanahashi, you know, has awesome hair. He has about three different haircuts going on at the same time. Same time. Beautifully interwoven, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, colourful tights and matching jackets and flashy entrance music. I love Shibata's almost tranquil, not tranquilo, but tranquil, chill-out music as he makes his entrance. There's nothing intimidating about it. I don't know if you were listening as he made his entrance. It's sort of like a fighting machine that's found its zen. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it's because of that, like, he does have that sort of meditation pose. Yeah. Do you think the fact he got to grow chest there means he struck puberty on the young lion wheel of gimmicks? Well, I think it's just young lions aren't supposed to be, like, they're meant to, they have their heads shaved, and I don't know if they're, they're allowed to be hairy. I can't recall. Actually, maybe Toa Hanari was quite hairy, but you know what I mean? It's like, just that sign of, like, he's an older wrestler, but he's kept kind of the young lion's ethos because he yes, does just yes. do fundamental kicks and drop kicks and no really impressive moves whereas Tanahashi's sling blading all over the place and dragon screw leg whipping and all those other things whereas Shibata you know he didn't he didn't go away and come back and was completely reinvented like you see with like when Jay White comes back and he's now switchblade or yeah. Sho and Yo come back and they're Rapongi 3K and, and all that sort of stuff. That That's usually what happens. Some, but you get some exceptions, and Shibata was one of those guys. I like it. I like the clean nature of it. Well, uh, it I, allows a great dichotomy between the two. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I touched on this in Shibata's last match. It just makes him look no-nonsense, no-fuss. Which he's meant to be. He's the wrestler, like I said. Yeah. And so against the guy who is flashy, but also can back it up and can meet... Shibata at his own game and they will have strike exchanges that Shibata will either usually win or they'll come to a standstill um, and they know each other well and, and they because of their history um, they're very slow starting off and then when Tana, and it's Tanahashi that engages first with a slap which leads to a strike off um, and they, they're evading each other's kicks and like I said there's a sense of intensity in the lockups from mm. that point onwards like there's an uneasiness at first and then it's just like okay let's just it's almost like like friends having a fight they've like had a long time it's been a long time coming this you know yeah and it's sort of when they get into the corner uh, and start doing the strike exchange yes. in the corner that that seems to me Oh, I, I take your point with the friends and it's been a long time coming building up but I do take your point there um, I think what I got from it is that Tanahashi knows Shibata, this is Shibata's water but wants to go swimming in it anyway to Anything prove he can, can do, swim I in it I can do better yeah because it is yeah. like one of the, I can't remember who starts it but one will hit him with forearms and then the other one reverses into the corner and hits the same forearms then uh, yeah, it was Shibata that started it off and then turned it into uppercuts. And then Tanahashi reverses it and does uppercuts back, you know? And then they both whip each other into the barricades. Then they go just start exchanging forearms on the outside until they both run into the ring at the 19 counts. And then they just keep on pep like hitting each other with forearms straight after that. I did uh, like that. I think that was a great way of getting around the whole... Mm assumed rule that there has to be a 19 count in each match if you see what I mean yeah yeah um, 
and like I said, like they follow each other into the corner when one does the charge, although it's actually Shibata follows Tanahashi into the corner, hits a lariat, then he charges to his corner. Tanahashi follows him, and it's like Shibata knows it's coming, and he's able to evade him and knock Shibata, uh, Tanahashi in the corner. And then he does this brilliant moment where he just sort of cracks his knuckles and prepares himself, and he just leathers Tanahashi with elbows in the corner then and forearms um, until he, I think then he does the flying drop kick. Yeah, the, uh, with a charging drop kick. But at that point and, and earlier on, there's this great, again, a great mirroring point where Shibata gets Tanahashi in the figure four leg lock. And then Tanahashi sits up and starts slapping at Shibata while Shibata's yelling at him. Uh, until Shibata reapplies the pressure and that forces Tanahashi down. So it's like he wanted him to confront him. He wanted him to slap him and like invited on. And similarly, Tanahashi catches Shibata's foot after this dropkick spot and Shibata's slapping away at him and it's like Tanahashi's waiting until he hits the dragon screw leg whip so he's giving him like they're both toying with the other one in, in that I moment. did like that bit especially because his heads. he's sort of flailing it and it's just the look of like smugness mm. on Tanahashi's face at that point it's like oh, I've got you yeah yeah You're fine whenever I want so this this the next thing's going to happen and I know exactly what it is and like, I'm gonna do it and like I said, with the Suzuki match again, it's Tanahashi going after the knee, and that's the fun, like his that is his point of strategy for the rest of this match. Mm-hmm. And it, depending on whether you look at it as a as a weakness in this one compared to the Suzuki match, Shibata doesn't target a part of Tanahashi's body like no. like Suzuki did with Tanahashi's arm. So it was Tanahashi's can Tanahashi's arm survive or can Suzuki's arm legs survive? But- Shibata's is that, more of a striker well, uh, than yeah. Suzuki. It is that. And also, is it again that Shibata wants to win in a certain way and so Shibata doesn't necessarily do the clever thing. He does the what he just follows his instincts more than than Tanahashi who thinks it through. He's like I think I can't remember if it's Tanahashi who's called the IQ wrestler or if it's Nakamura it might be Nakamura that's called that. But both of them had this thing when they were coming up that they had brains as well and they would use their intelligence in the ring as well. Like you see with some guys like Bret Hart was always great at showing off in ring intelligence. Mm. Um and Daniel Bryan. Whereas you think uh, Shibata's doing like Sari Ball. Well, Shibata's... Or, like, tiki-taka. There's only one t- style here. Yeah, and if, if it works, then he'll win. If it doesn't work, then he goes out true to himself. Like I said, the the whole story of Shibata seemingly throughout his whole career is that he's his own enemy. And you see it again in this match. Uh, that, Like I said, this is him ultimately play, paying contrition for his actions in the past. Um, but again, we see some pop-up selling, which I didn't associate with New Japan as much around this time, but we see it here where they both pop up from suplexes. Um, and then Shibata at one point goes for uh, uh, his PK finisher, his penalty kick, but his knee is hurt too much from Tanahashi's attack, so he's not able to go for a pin. And again, it's it's interesting that Red Shoes, how he gets involved in the match, he will encourage wrestlers to go for pins because he kind of thinks, like, you can win it from here, and he... He's, he's thinking he can go about, over early. Yeah, he's I could knock, about, knock off at six. But you know what I mean? It's like he's thinking yeah. about the rest of the safety. Like there's no need yeah. to push it further. Whereas, and in that moment, Shibata's like, no, 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 I need to give him some more here. And he pulls Tanahashi up by the hair to keep things going. I. Lost my place. Sorry, two sex. Mm. But yeah, and, and then um, 
And because of that, he sets him up on a fireman's carry, and Tanahashi turns that into a sling blade, follows it up with another sling blade, and then does his high fly flow, which hits Shibata's knees, again, like the Suzuki match. And again, like the Suzuki match, Shibata's knees are too hurt to go in for the pin or, or to take advantage of the situation. What I liked about that is the fact that when people do, like, stereotypical... Like, there's certain counters that everyone does to a certain positions, but Tanahashi didn't do like the like the, the simple like wriggle out of a Samoan drop and then like go into like a running move or something like that he did he hit the running move but from like a sh- shoulder mounted position well he turned which, into a variant of his move which is sling yeah. blade uh, and that's what I liked like because some I don't know if this is me just paying too much um attention to other federations but sometimes it feels when you see a move get countered, everyone counters it the same way, and it mm. seems a bit cookie cutter. But it's nice to see, obviously. Yeah, no one else is gonna. His, yeah. yeah, a wrestler put his move yeah. into his counter because he would know it the best. No one else, other than maybe Seth Rollins, would do that because no one else has the sling blade as a trademark move, or or Finn Balor Fit. as well, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I and it's also interesting with the pop up cell later on in the match. When Tanahashi hits another suplex, uh, Shibata does try and do the pop-up and he falls back in failure, essentially. I crumples, yes, yeah. There's a bit of crumpling um, in this. One of my favourite bits of crumplage, which I'm crowbarring in as a word, (laughs) is uh, when Shibata hits one of the best strikes I think I've seen in quite some time. Uh, his spinning back fist. Can we just talk about how much of a bot, like, how brutal that looked? I can't say I remember that too well, to be honest. Maybe I was looking down, writing a note at that point. Uh, no, it, it, yeah, it comes straight after they've, like, they've had, um, Shibata's hit another one, like, a drop kick. Yeah, There's... he does, like, the Suzuki desperation. But again, like, Suzuki did so much more with that. He, yeah. Like, Suzuki ran to the ropes, couldn't work, couldn't run, and then surprises Tanahashi with his drop kick from there, yeah. whereas Shibata just kind of doesn't go through that many steps with his drop kick. And so then again, they have... Like, if, if it's as fresh in your memory as it is for us, then yeah. it doesn't seem as impressive or maybe as out of nowhere or cool. And then um, they have, like, a little forearm train. Yeah, after they yell no. at each other. It's another one of those times where you wish you knew Japanese because then you yeah. feel like there's another layer of the story being told that we don't get. And, and then that's when the haymakers start coming out because it's uh, Tanahashi who first like drops Shibata to the mat with this like almighty slap, and then it's like as yeah, he's yeah, dragging yeah. him back up out of nowhere, Shibata just seems to spin his hips with like for like such a ferocity, and just connects flush with his spinning back fist. And I, I just loved a, I everything. Back. I think I had a note of that as being a kick. I know if you watch if you watch it back, it's with his fist, and it's okay. beautiful. Um, yeah, that was another thing as well. It's like you can almost see encapsulated in that forearm off why Tanahashi wins, and and spoiler, and Shibata doesn't not only in this match but just in general in their careers. Shibata just sees the their forearming off each other, and Shibata wins the forearm exchange. He's and he's just hitting Tanahashi, hitting, 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 and then just Tanahashi surprises him with a slap. So it's him changing the direction, hitting it with a surprise, hitting it with an accuracy that, like again, like Masawa versus Kawada, that maybe Shibata doesn't have. Because yeah. Shibata's a blunt instrument, whereas 
Tanahashi's got an intelligence and a precision to his attacks. Oh, it's the variants as well. It's like he, like Tanahashi has variants in his moveset where Shibata doesn't, or chooses not to, rather. Mm. So yeah, we get to the finishing straight where Ta- uh, Shibata has Tanahashi up for a G- uh, go to sleep, which Tanahashi reverses into a dragon suplex, like you say, going into another one of his trademark moves. Then hits a Shibata dropkick to Shibata, goes to the top rope, waits for Shibata to get up, Hits him with his high fly flow as a cross body. Immediately follows that up with a prop of high fly flow. Yeah. And that gets the three count. See, uh, when he was waiting, I was like, he's going to miss this. I just had a f- like, I don't know why. I just had that feeling he was going to miss it. And when he didn't, it's like, oh, okay. Well, he was waiting for the right moment. And to yeah. surprise Shibata, I guess. I thought he was just going to go for a grounded one. Mm. So Which he, he did do straight away after. And again, like I said, at the end of the match afterwards, Tanahashi does give him a shake of the hands, which is a real sign of, like, they're... Not immediately, though. They're chatting for a few seconds. And you wonder, like, how much of that is reality and how much of that is character, you know? And how blurred those lines are. But it's like that Tanahashi almost almost in the locker room leader role on screen, like an undertaker is, that this is, like, a sign that the fans can accept him. He is a New Japan guy again because... The new Japan guy that he oh, trained so. ultimately yeah. has said so, and so Shibata's got what he needed from this match without getting what he wanted from the match, which was victory. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like he does a bow, and then he does a respectful bow at the end of the as he, as he makes his way up the entrance. One thing I did like about that actually was that like uh, usually when you leave the ring in a New Japan uh, match, you go through the barricades and down like a side exit. But Shibata just pushes one of the young lines out of the way, who's directing him to where he's supposed to go, and walks back up the entrance ramps. It's almost like he wants to be back. I think maybe this is me. Maybe this is me reading too much into it. But he wants to be. He's going back into the heart of New Japan itself. He's accepting because he he's walking towards the New Japan logo as the end at the yeah. entrance. You know, that could be um, his camera work coming into play there. Possibly, yeah. Because it's a a visual you've remembered. mm. A, because it's different, but B, the fact that you were like, oh, you've made that association. Mm. Maybe that's something he's consciously decided to do, to be different. So, like I said, I think what's the only thing that's let this match down for me is that I saw a better version of this match only a few days ago involving Minoru Suzuki, which provided us more. Suzuki was a more interesting character. He was more ruthless. The limb work was better. Well, not so much in modern day. I, I would pick modern day Shibata over modern day uh, uh, Suzuki any day of the week, personally. Ah, yes. However, if it comes to peak if it Shibata, was come down, versus... but you know, I think peak Shibata was a, was a handsome lad as well. You know, compared to peak Suzuki. Okay, yeah. There's not many that can match peak Suzuki. But anyway, um... Michelangelo's David looks like garbage <laughs> compared to peak Suzuki. <laughs> Anyway, what what? Uh, so I'm not going to quite give this five stars, but maybe if I'd seen it at an earlier juncture in this series, maybe I would have done so. It tells a fantastic story. No one puts a foot wrong, but it just felt less like a lesser match to me. I guess I don't know. Mm. I mean, it wasn't. A, I'm guessing it wasn't the main event of that show, or if it because there wasn't for a title or anything. Um, but it tell it told its own story well, and I would not say. Oh, don't bother watching this match. Definitely watch this match. If you want to watch a good wrestling match that Dave Meltzer gave five stars, I wouldn't say this is one to avoid, you know? Yeah. No, it's certainly not the UWF or anything like that. Mm. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, 
but the point you raised there, Lorca, the, the whole mechanic of it, it, when we do this, this is an occupational hazard that we do yeah. get overexposed to quality and therefore yeah. we start sub-categorizing quality. Yeah. And this is quality. It's, I'm going to join you. It's not five-star quality mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the scale that we're using in my eyes. But if I was introducing people to New Japan... I, 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 if I if I had a selection and this match was one of them, it wouldn't be bottom of the draft pick. Yeah, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't yeah. be top. It wouldn't It'd be, be your first. Yeah, it wouldn't be your first Tanahashi su- suggestion. You'd go with either the Suzuki match or the Okada match that we both watched. And I think we both gave five stars to both of those. Would no. you pick? Would you pick the Shibata Ishii match ahead of this? Oh, I think I would because it's such a a unique experience. I mean, I, I would show that match before I'd show quite a lot of my five-star matches to people because it's such a different kind of match, and I'd be curious to see yeah. what wrestling fans think of that. Yeah, no, you, you've made that point, and I do agree with that in previous episodes, that um, it's a different style of wrestling, and it might get, it might hook people in a way that what we like doesn't. Yeah. Um, I probably would show the um, Ishii Shibata match before that, just because... Yeah. If I was trying to get people in, I think sometimes you need a faster tempo mm. as well. That's well, why um, one of the watches I also would use is the Dragon Gate one, because madness gets eyeballs. Yeah. Well, we're now about to reach our halfway point of this 10-match New Japan Marathon session, Simon. What is our next match for the viewers to list, for our listeners to listen to and for viewers to watch along if they're also on the New Japan World app? Well, we have just spoken about one match with an absolute gorgeous individual. And we're going to another wrestling match starring another gorgeous individual as Kota Ibushi takes on Shinsuke Nakamura. The debut for both men on this list. Yes. And it's Wrestle Kingdom and it's for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. But anyway, before until we get to that episode, how can people get in touch with you, Simon, in the interim? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of times during this match, I lost count of how many forearms had been. <laughs> My name is Lorcan Munnan. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for Adam's apple. N for neck. Fortunately, neither of them were damaged too much in this match, uh, but plenty of forearms that the like were being hit around that area. Um, that's my email address if you put in at gmail.com at the end of it otherwise look for me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram Letterboxd, all the likes buy my book Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan get in touch with the show itself on bowobpodcast at gmail.com or our Twitter account bowobpod if you want to get in touch with our show as well uh, that oh, is LMTYS pod that's my Shia gmail.com. <laughs> and it's LMTYS for our Twitter handle. Yes. LMCYS pod, sorry, for our Twitter handle. If you want to watch and uh, get in touch with me about uh, bad British movies, those bob ones are what you want to listen to. But anyway... Also listen to that. That's well good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's very different. <laughs> anyway, although I talk a lot more than I need to in that as well. But anyway, that's enough for now. All I have to say is, on behalf of myself, Lorcan Mullen... And myself, Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. 